This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 19th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. When you read a news story about a police shooting, you see phrases like, officer involved, as if the police played some less than clear role in the shooting, or that the bullet that struck the victim was the ultimate culprit, or that the officer's weapon discharged, as if it was the gun's decision to fire. Washington Post columnist and Cato Institute media fellow Radley Balco calls it the exonerative tense. And for reporters trying to reasonably present even basic facts about police shootings to the public, the twisty turns of phrase presented by police agencies pose a special but not insurmountable challenge. There is this sort of uh, way that reporters write about and I'll just use the term they use, police-involved shootings. Uh, and uh, it seems that there are mental gymnastics or linguistic gymnastics that they go through in order to you know, make it appear as if it wasn't a police officer who shot someone. Uh, or at least present it in such a way that it's it would be reasonable for your takeaway to be that what actually occurred is not actually what occurred. <laughs> right. Um, I, I call it the exonerative tense. And it's, um, I think media in a lot of ways are just sort of mimicking what they see in police reports and, and hear from police spokespeople. But it's this way of kind of deflecting responsibility uh, for what you've done. And so the way, you know, it's, it's often phrased, as you'll see, uh, you know, after confronting a, you know, 24-year-old 20, black male uh, the officer's gun fired, um, or uh, you know, the the suspect was struck by a bullet fired from an officer's gun. Um, the weapon discharged. The weapon discharged. You know, it reminds you of the the kind of classic uh, trope about you know the politician who's just been caught in a major scandal, and they give a speech where they say you know mistakes were made, right? Um, uh, it's, it's a lot of times it's it's grammatically the passive tense, but uh, sometimes it's not passive. It's just this kind of uh, way of um, removing kind of direct responsibility for what happened. Uh, and you contrast that to you know police reports about people you know suspected of committing crimes, and it's always you know the suspect then did X, the suspect then you know assaulted X. Uh, but when it's a police officer, it's always. Uh, the gun that did the shooting uh, or the bullet that did the damage and never the officer. Um, w w you know, years ago when I was a reporter, um, I, I can remember going to a home uh, where police were already on the scene. It was a shooting. And I remember very clearly asking the public information officer out front, uh, was the body found inside or outside of the house? Uh, and he told me, that is under investigation, <laughs> and yeah. I and I and, and I, I I just you know there are these these times when you are dependent as a reporter on information directly from a police department, and they won't even say uh, who did what, like right. th things that are not in dispute. Uh, they won't necessarily say. So for reporters that are trying to deal with that. And and try to you know, one avoid some liability for saying the wrong thing, uh, but also are just trying to present the best uh, version of events. Uh, what should they do? Well, I mean, you 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 write what 
you know to be true and you write it in the in the active voice and you don't sort of parrot police lines that tend to uh phrase things in a way that eschew responsibility um you know i, 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 I have a couple reactions to what you what you just said i think um you know i've used the phrase officer involved shooting and i don't particularly like it um but there also you know there are some times when it makes sense because you're trying to distinguish a a shooting committed by an officer versus an officer who was shot right so if you say police shootings that could be interpreted as a police officer who was shot as opposed to one who did the shooting so sometimes sort of depending on the space and the context of what you're writing uh, you know officer involved shooting I don't like it, um, but you know some of these examples are much more absurd and extreme and often hilarious uh, than that. Um, but I do think there's this interesting question about local reporters and beat reporters because you know I I kind of I'm a opinion journalist I work for the Post I do a lot of investigative reporting, but I also have the advantage of being able to kind of parachute into a, a city or county or whatever where something has happened. Um, and I can write my story and I can be very critical of the police and then I can go back to my fly back to Nashville and continue my my job, you know, with the Washington Post. Uh, B reporters, uh, you know, rely on police departments to be able to do their jobs. Um, and, it, and you know, I think you see um, and I, I've also been critical of the, of the amount of reverence and sort of deference that that local reporters give to local police. Um, but I can also understand it because, um, you know, if you. If you anger them, uh, they can make it a lot more difficult for, for you to do your your job. Um, and you know, I'd like to see reporters generally be more skeptical of, of law enforcement sources. But I mean, it is definitely a problem. It's particularly a problem when, in in you know with the kind of death of newspapers, where there's increasingly less competition among newspapers. Yeah, there's. Uh, I I know that uh, when there are uh, cases in which the police have shot and sometimes killed somebody that there's almost inevitably one or two stories that come out within days, which is a complete rundown of uh, every inter every negative interaction that that individual, the dead individual, had with police. Yeah. Well, there, there's, yeah, I mean, that and that comes straight from the police department. I mean, to give an even more extreme example, there's a case in Texas a few years ago. Uh, the guy still is, you know, hasn't been to trial yet, but it was a, a, another raid where the police um, actually didn't find any drugs where they didn't announce themselves until they had already battered down the door. And this guy grabbed a gun and shot and killed one of the police officers. Um, and it was a, a, in a small town in Texas and a local reporter there was, was covering it with the, what I would consider the appropriate amount of, of, you know, sort of um, scrutiny and, and skepticism. And uh, his paper uh, took him off the story and he was eventually fired from the paper. And uh, he was told by his editors that, uh, you know, the paper did not want to jeopardize its relationship with the police department. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's a thing you see much more in small towns. Um, I mean, there are plenty of big city newspapers, I think, that are too deferential as well. But in big cities, you tend to have at least, you know, some competition, if not from another newspaper, then maybe from a local news station. You know, somebody um, is going to start digging around and maybe get the, get the story out. But in, in smaller towns, it's, it's really a problem. Do you have any uh, evidence or is there literature uh, on how people tend to view these stories depending on how they're written? No, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know how you would structure such a study, but that would be interesting. I mean, I will say that, you know, my um, in the 15 years or so I've been writing about this stuff, 
when you see a raid like the Brianna Taylor raid, you know, when I first started writing this, you'd go to the comment section on a on a news, you know, local news site, and it'd almost always be, you know, thank God, you know, that criminal is dead or that thug is dead, or you know, lots of defending of the police. You know, thank God they they're defending us every day. And I, I will say, increasingly, I see skepticism and and questions about the, these kinds of tactics, and you know, that's very sort of anecdotal and subjective. It's my kind of impression over the years of how that that tenor has changed but i think there's much more skepticism and and, and willingness to kind of uh question these kinds of types of tactics particularly when they're used you know again in, in um to enforce you know nonviolent crimes like drug crimes bradley balco is a media fellow at the cato institute and a columnist at the washington post subscribe to the cato daily podcast wherever you please and follow us on twitter at cato podcast 